0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process
1: in all genres. Uh, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm back after, I think, a month? What is it? Yeah, three weeks. Well, yeah, you can't tell, because you were out at concerts every day and yes. partying and and, and you do all that stuff. My Dave, record's been expunged. Yeah, well, big deal. But you go out there and you can do all that stuff. He can. He swings from the chandelier, and here I am working on a work trip, and I get COVID. What's
0: what's wrong with this?
1: You know? uh, it's just, yeah, yeah, have a good laugh. I'll make sure. I'll make sure you pay. <laughs> I'll make sure. I'll send it to you in an envelope. Excellent. That's Excellent. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be looking for it in the uh, mailbox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen your messy mailbox. I know. Hmm. Um, you'll send your wife to go get it. That's, what that, it that's a good idea. Yeah. No, but I'll get it anyway then. No, you keep her <laughs> in the basement, don't you? I mean, no, you're <laughs> in the basement. Where, that's where I am. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, she won't. She'll just drop yeah. it down, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of, of sin and, and all that nasty stuff that you do, uh, we've yes. got, uh, an author coming back because he just wanted to drop in and say that he, uh, he's got a new, a new novel out. And, uh, so let's see what this is. So Mr. David Kempf, uh, thank you for being here.
0: Thanks for having me back on, guys. Uh, my new novel is called The Wager of Sin, which is, uh, kind of a, a play on from, from Romans from the New Testament for the wages of sin is death, uh, you know, pricing, uh, replacing wages with wager because it's the conclusion of a, a Faustian trilogy.
1: When you do something like this and you delve into this and you kind of play on the words like that and all that, what do you have in mind when you're putting a novel like this out? Or do you have something in mind?
0: I always want to tell the story that I would like to see told. I, I mean, even like the greatest movies I've ever seen, it's very rare when you really see... The, the the way that things were meant to be, like and Wells with Citizen Kane, that was exactly what he wanted because there wasn't that kind of interference. And I think writers like us, we have editors, and that's very necessary. But we still get to tell, I think, a lot of times the story that we want to tell. Even you know, novels have uh, editors and and censors within the corporations that keep people from telling the story. Uh, stories that can't necessarily be, like, categorized. You know, like, everything now with the movies is a formula. It's a remake, a reboot. Everything looks like a video game. I, I'm trying to, I, I guess, tell an epic story, the, the epic story that I would like to read. And I started it 2009, and I finished it. <laughs> in 2022.
1: Wow, that takes a long time. What what takes so long for you to, to complete something like this? Is it is it the um, thought necessary or is it that you kind of redo the story several times? Like what 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 is so long drawn about this? I, I
0: just want the story not to be perfect, but to be perfectly told to the best extent possible. And I, I want it to be like logical, like what would the next step B, like when I was writing the second book, you know, you think of like the great sequels, like The Godfather, The Dark Knight, it's a logical extension from what happened first, you know, and I wanted to see the characters develop, and, and I'm dealing with a character that's not necessarily a good man, not necessarily an evil man either, but I, you know, I, I like the ambiguities of life and the ideas of good and evil being more of a gray area than black and white. And that, would, that does not sell most of the time. But I think it makes for a, a very captivating story. And like I told you in the last interview, I wanted to start out with a, a monster that's not told a lot. So I went to the djinn, you know, the genies, the evil genies. But I And after dark fi- uh, fiction, the, the story was finished. The character, Dr. Henry David Wells, who's in all three books and in minor parts in some of my other books, you know, the, the stuff with the gin was basically done... At the end of Dark Fiction, it had a conclusion. He, he was immortal, then he became mortal, and then he doesn't like being mortal and feeling, you know, the meat puppet rotting away of the body and things like that. So he went back to the dark spiritual realm, and he's trying to do a deal in the second book, Damn Fiction, with the devil, because the devil wants to <laughs> um, write his life story so he can be number one on Amazon. Like I said, you know, there's a little bit of humor there. And I just thought with like all this debate with censorship and violence and sex and all this stuff that's in our culture, the, the theme of damned fiction became uh, do images of sex or images of violence corrupt the human soul faster? So one of his students, the character name is Sarah Nolan, she was writing these sort of erotica things while he's writing these violent horror stories. So in damned fiction, uh, they're getting into a contest to see who, who has the, the honor of writing Satan's life story. And uh, the outcome isn't decided until the third book, which is The Wager of Sin, the one that was just published.
1: Did you have to do a lot of research uh, with uh, going into the djinn and the mythology and all that? Or did you, do more, uh, did you use more of your imagination to um, create that aspect of the uh,
0: novel? That's a good question, David. Actually, it's a combination. I, d- I do like my own sort of like version of them where they're more like uh, collective instead of individualistic. But I also did a lot of research with um, the Quran and the Arabian Nights. And uh, (laughs) very fortunately for me, my best friend from college is Syrian. So he could really, you know, tell me all about this stuff. You know, it just kind of all came together. And of course, you know, the jinn are also associated with devils and things that are evil. And I thought, you know, well... If I, if I brought the devil in the story in a different way like what if he's jealous of the gen what if he's got all this power but like he doesn't have the power to grant wishes he would be jealous of those of those other entities
1: so I'll tell you when you when you do something like this okay so when you're doing this story and this is the uh, book three you know in the trilogy um, it, was this all planned out from the get-go or do you kind of know what you want to do and you just have to work out the details or, and do you kind of go with the uh the subject more than the character, or is the character the one leading this
0: it's kind of a combination but with uh Dr. Wells, that character is in all three you know this trilogy and like i said small parts and others uh, i I, found, I I sort of found him to be very charismatic and human and interesting, and I was just it sort of like like I was thinking, what would he do next? What would be the logical extension of his personality It's, it's kind of a combination, but I, I did have a certain place that i like sort of like an epic place uh, you know of, of building up the story structure that I wanted to go now, like we were discussing before, the most important thing for me in this particular book was to make the ending right because this is something I started so many years ago. It, it deserves a good ending, and I just started. Obsessing over the uh, the twist endings, you know what makes a what makes a great twist ending. You know uh, Peter Straub, rest in peace, who just passed away. His novel Ghost Story is just it's you know the novel I'm talking about had had an incredible incredible. Twist. It starts off where you're absolutely chilled to the bone because you think this crazy guy has kidnapped this little girl. You don't know that the little girl isn't actually a little girl. She's actually the the shape-shifting Eva Gali. but, you know, you have to read along to find that out. Now, uh, when I read William Goldman's Magic, you know, it's about uh, Corky, who's a magician, who's very, very shy, doesn't have any charm. And then he has this partner, Fats, who makes everybody laugh, who's obnoxious. And, you know, you're about halfway through the book, and you realize that Fats is a ventriloquist dummy, and Corky is insane. And, of course, I Am Legend is one of my favorite, favorite twists, Richard Matheson's book, because I think the best twist is when you realize that the monster has been you the whole time.
1: I live with it. I, um...
0: (laughs) Back to the, what John Carpenter used to call left-wing horror and right-wing horror. Right, right-wing right horror is the, the chiefs sitting around with uh, everybody in the tribe. They're around the fire at night telling scary stories. And the chief says, the evil is out there. The evil is the other. That's sort of like right-wing horror. Then he's like, left-wing horror is the chief sitting around telling the stories and saying, the evil is us. The evil is me. The evil is inside us.
1: Yeah, there you go. I'm left-wing. <laughs> <laughs> So, what what is it you want people to get out of this series like are you trying to tell people something? Or are you trying to warn them Do you have any sort of meaning to it or you, you just I, I, I do
0: but i don 't want to push my own meanings on them. I guess I want them to come up with their own meaning from the story, and that's that 's not a cop out that 's actually what I really want. I like people to be able to see the same thing and having two entirely different perspectives now it 's a little challenging because. You're sort of manipulated to to root for somebody who, you know, isn't the most uh, moral or ethical, I suppose. But I don't think you should always have to have a black-and-white virtuous hero for the story. And I do like the use of the unreliable narrator. And and we're actually pretty used to this. I mean, when you see the – at least for me, when you see the psycho – movies, you know, you've been manipulated into rooting for Norman. I mean, when I saw Psycho 3, I was like, oh, man, I hope Norman kills that guy so he can go back to run in the motel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was really worried for Norman's safety. And, you know, same thing with Hannibal. Like, oh, man, I sure hope Hannibal gets out. I don't want to see him incarcerated. <laughs> but, like, you wouldn't think that of a real-life serial killer. You know, you wouldn't be, like, hopefully anyway, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be, like, rooting... <laughs> <laughs> Be Like, oh, man, don't let them catch you there, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. well, they can call you anything, well, but don't let them call you late for dinner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: that's bad. That that's was bad. bad. <laughs> hey, do, do,
1: do you watch? Have you been watching that series or do you watch that? I've um, watched
0: a little um, bit of it. I, I think I too much empathy. I, I, I just feel so much for the victims. I, I just it's again, when it's real, it's it's beyond horrific. When it's Norman Bates, you know, or Hannibal, you're rooting for the bad guy. But, then, but that, that stuff had me thinking, though, you know, we've, we root for some people, some characters that aren't necessarily all virtuous. Yeah, I mean, James Bond kills people and makes puns about it, and everybody laughs. But if you actually saw somebody get killed like that, and somebody made a pun, you'd be, like, filled with horror.
1: No, I'd be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. but what, what is it, do you think, what is it about
0: your... your...
1: I don't want to say evil character, but character that does things wrong like that. Why do you think people root for them? Like, why is it um, people are kind of like, yeah, cool, man, or they're happy with what they do? What, what particular elements is it that people grab onto?
0: Just the, the basic human element of we would like to see that happen. When I read Interview with the Vampire, uh, Louis wanted Daniel Malloy at the end to be like, see how horrific it is to be a vampire. But instead the kid is like, how do I become a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be a cautionary tale. You know, you, I, I, don't know I don't think it's power necessarily, but it's, it, people feel sometimes that life is sort of a dull experience. Wouldn't it be exciting to live this way? Wouldn't it be exciting to have all this constant praise and to write the greatest books ever I'm speaking about my Dr. Wells character and knowing that you're never going to die you just have to find, occasionally find victims to sacrifice to the gin every now and then it's actually a pretty good deal <laughs> unless
1: you're the victim <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I, I, I suppose I think there's a lot of irony in this stuff I mean I can't remember the book but it was it was it was CS Lewis and this guy dies in this book and i guess he wakes up in the afterlife and he loves to drink and he can drink as much as he can without ever getting drunk or hangover he loves to gamble and he gambles all the time and he never loses a single hand when he's playing blackjack and he gets to go home with any woman he wants every night and after about a month of this this angel comes and visits in his afterlife realm and he says to the angel this is very interesting but i'd like to experience hell And the angel says, "What makes you think you're not in hell? You got too much of what you wanted." (laughs) And that's kind of a theme of the books too—is getting too much of what you want, which, of course, is a luxury most of us don't get to suffer.
1: But you find you also have um, to—let's say, how do you say—the good characters or the normal characters or the people that end up getting um, caught up in the things. Not
0: not always. Not always. Uh, They they do sort of get it caught up in the. the the drama of the narcissistic sociopath but there's some there's some good characters too and some of them influence the bad character to be a little better and sometimes he influences the good characters to be a little better
1: you were also you know mentioning uh, themes and I'm just wondering, you know, throughout the course of this trilogy, have, have any, like, motifs, reoccurring themes, has, has any of that stuff kind of bubbled to the surface? Have, have you noticed that there are certain themes that keep reoccurring w- within this trilogy?
0: Yeah, there's it's like the more you know, the less you know kind of a thing. It's climbing the mountain, only to find it just leads to a higher mountain. It's, the, the yeah, like I like, said, so the, the more you know, the less you know. Like I, I, It really does go back to just, guys, to just telling the the story that that I, I wanted to tell. I want it to be uncategorizable. It's epic, but it's still horror. It's a novel, but there's short stories contained within the novel because the stories are about writers. And with this particular one, I wanted to finish the trilogy, and I really really wanted to um, emphasize the, the importance of, you know, the, uh, the, the twist ending, the, the, like, the, like the Twilight Zone would be good, Alfred Hitchcock presents, that kind of thing, except it's not, it's not exactly that. But I think it, it, it will, the ending of the book changes the perspective on the entire trilogy. So I, I did things, like, you know, it got vulgar and violent. I'm sure there's some things there that might potentially offend people. But everything is a distraction. You know, it's like being a magician. It's like waving your hands, your right hand up here frantically, while your assistant, you know, puts the card under the table in your other hand. It's everything towards the end of the book is a distraction so that the the ending is a genuine surprise and a real aha moment.
1: Did you think writers, um, in a lot of cases, in this type of uh, writing... um, they actually make the evil characters more likable on purpose than the characters that get get hurt or killed. Is that sort of, sort of something that happens?
0: Oh, I, I think so. I mean, what does everybody remember about Milton's Paradise Lost? And John Milton was a Puritan and a half, but everybody thinks the hero is Satan. They <laughs> <laughs> so found him to be the most interesting character. There's, uh, you know, a whole big thing about a trip to heaven and a whole big thing about a trip to... Purgatory, there's Paradiso and Purgatoria with Dante, but Dante is remembered for the Inferno. So I think, yeah, I think that that's the most most interesting character would be that. I mean, I think it was inevitable with Thomas Harris. You know, not that Clarice Starling or Will Graham aren't interesting, they are, but it's probably more interesting to see what life is like in the day of Hannibal Lecter.
1: Yeah, it certainly brings up, it, I, I, but there's a lot of license that goes into that because so much of that is exaggerated. You know, even with the new uh, Dahmer movie, Dahmer series, that's, it's pretty far-fetched. Well, it has,
0: it has to be far-fetched to be imaginative. Like, well, yeah, I mean, for, in Dahmer's case, for one thing, Dahmer is much more of a normal-looking guy than the guy who plays him in the movie. Yeah. If Dahmer walked, if you if he wasn't famous and he walked by, you wouldn't give him a second look. Just looks like some guy who's on his way to work. That's it.
1: And 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 the thing is, a lot of, like, they, but they make up so much, you know. They have, like, the uh, neighbor that lives next door that, that always complained to the police. But that's not <laughs> even really real. That's not even, like, they create this whole drama of these characters, of these people. And they add it in there, and it makes it more intense, you know what I mean? And then they build up his character as if we really know what he's like like doing all these things and I just, you know, when it gets to true stories I can see why it bothers some people, because it's not like it's a, a, you know, a real true story. It's kind of like, yeah, he did it, but
0: yeah. Like I said, you don't root for them. You're not like, you know, come on, (laughs) come on there, Gacy. (laughs) Stop planning around and get to your next victim. We're rooting for you, buddy. No, you're filled with like a, a sense of horror. You know, like, watch Jack the Ripper. I'm like, oh man, I hope he doesn't get caught. He'll get kicked out of medical school.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well there, there you have
0: it. <laughs> you know, well, like I said, I with, at least for me, Norman Bates, you know, I, when I saw Psycho 2, I was expecting to, you know, to mm. root for Lila, the, the sister, you know, Janet Lee's sister in the, the yeah. first movie, Marion Crane's sister found mrs bates being a corpse at the end and and instead like the first movie had a twist ending psycho 2 which i actually like better than the first one has a twist premise lila's the villain and norman's the tragic hero and that was that's really hard to pull off but yeah they they made her so consumed with vengeance and he doesn't lose his mind to the last 10 or 15 minutes of the movie that by default, she's the bad guy. Yeah. I think that's what set it up for Psycho 3, you know? Like, oh, he's been through so much. I I hate to see him go back to the asylum just for killing a few people. (laughs) And, of course, course, you know, they had Sheriff Hunt, who's been voted the dumbest sheriff in movie history. (laughs) He was like, well, you know, I know people are getting killed, but it can't be Norman because he's sane now.
1: Yeah. The only thing I can remember that movie, the third one, is The
0: Bloody Ice. Well, that's that's, right. that's a great example of uh, Sheriff Hunt being an F. Yeah, <laughs> when, he was, when, he was, when he was reaching in for the ice, he he probably should have realized that there was a, a girl's dead hand next to it. Yeah, no, right. Do you know my the, the funniest thing too is like they made you, you made, they made you hate that reporter lady. I mean, I was a kid when I saw the movie. And I was like, man, I can't wait for Norman to hack that woman to death. <laughs> She's <is> so annoying. <laughs> And then, like Sheriff Hunt is like yelling at her and saying, "I've had it with your Nancy Drew horse, you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you would think that they would. Uh, that's sort of why we get into this. This is this is the problem with society, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I, I don't think
0: we're going to solve society's problems in this interview.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's what that's what we ask. thought. We thought we thought we were getting the. Uh, the the knowledge one on here to tell us what was going on in society yeah i'm here to talk oh, about we...
0: twist ending
1: <laughs> <laughs> twisted sister <laughs>
0: what, what, uh, david you you probably appreciate uh the, the twist endings and the horror stories i would imagine right oh absolutely yeah we talked yeah. about clive I... barker before the yattering and jack is a great example of a, t- a twist uh ray bradbury's usher two and the sound of thunder And, of course, maybe the best twist in a short story ever is Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Oh, yeah. That was a great twist.
1: Well, I think the twists are great as long as they're not too predictable.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, when I saw the the original Twilight Zone episodes when I was a kid, when if you remember, like, The Mask and To Serve Men and Eye of the Beholder, like, all of those. yeah. You, I mean, you know, you didn't expect everybody to have the, the look of the mask on their faces at the end of that. I didn't. I thought maybe they'd take off their mask and be werewolves or something stupid. But and then yeah. a, to serve man as a cookbook—that is a great ending. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> and he—he he only learns just in time to be put on the spaceship. You know, she could have told him like ten seconds later or whatever it was.
1: He's going to be served with baby.
0: <laughs> exactly. I—the <laughs> <laughs> beholder—is fantastic. You because 'cause you're expecting this you know, this poor woman who's obviously hideously disfigured and it's very sad. And they take off her bandages and it's this beautiful woman. I mean, and then all the doctors and nurses are the big face people. Yeah.
1: I think it's good.
0: Yeah, but you know what occurred to me not to, you know, play devil's advocate and be old fashioned here or whatever, but like at a certain point I started to realize that and this is I felt this way at the beginning of CGI, not now. I used to think you know, movies today have great special effects and terrible stories. Rod Serling had great stories and terrible special effects. Mm,
1: that is true. Yeah. But, you know, that, but that shows you an example of how the story can create the image in your mind enough of it that you go with it, doesn't matter how bad it really is. And sometimes you don't realize that until you look back at it when you're older And you look back at that same show and you kind of go, oh, it's like Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows was running with terrible limited effects on their series, but yet they made a huge impact because of of how they wrote it.
0: Yeah, it was a very well-written show. And like you were saying, the images created in your mind's eye, that is what makes, you know, the horror novel something like really special. I actually feel deeply sorry for people who can't appreciate it. And, you know, I do know people like that. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who... Watches sports and bets on his whole life is just sports, and then like I, I said that I, I said that I've, I I've probably read Salem's Lot like a, a dozen times since I was ten, you know. And he's like, "Wow, what a waste of time!"
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you like, know but that's it. You know, I had like, an bri- bro, old brother. Okay. Each their no, own. I not Yeah, because I had an older brother that would be like, uh, I understand why you. Would listen to a song more than an album several times, but why would you want to watch a movie or read a book more than once? (laughs) Because you already know the ending. Because I think that's—I think it's—it's how you—it's again—it's the eye of the beholder. It's how you perceive it. It's what you're getting out of it. If you're just looking for the story, the you know the the beginning, middle, and the end, and that's it, you know it's it. You're not looking for any of the details. Um, Once is enough, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's never it's never going to be the same. Uh, oh, man, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but it's the the short story, The Human Chair, by the uh, Japanese writer. His pen name is Egoela Rampo. Uh, Harlan Ellison uh, pushed this story, and my favorite horror story, he said this is one of the greatest horror stories ever. So it's called The Human Chair, and nobody it sounds like it's some slasher, horrible thing, but it's not. Nobody dies in it. Nobody's hurt in it. Right. Uh, it's got <laughs> it's got the best twist ending of any short story I think I've ever read. You should read it. I was astonished when I read the last paragraph. That it is fun to reread stuff, but at the same time, I have to say I will never have the experience of that aha moment reading the you know the the last paragraph again like like the first time.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like the first time. <laughs> it just it
0: just stayed. And the fact that he could do that without violence or. You know something really sick, but of course all this stuff is very, very, very subjective. Just like movies are very subjective. My, my, my friends who like sports and stuff can't, don't understand my obsession with what they call bad movies. And I just said they are no bad movies; they're simply unappreciated. I've, so... I've got to, also, I just want to say real quick I've disappointed my my son Andrew a little bit sometimes because he, you know, he likes movies like me, and I, I've had like a few. Friends have worked on movies and stuff, and when I've gotten some blurbs from my books, he was always disappointed with the movie connections. You know, he's like, he's like, wow, he's like, you got you got a blurb from somebody who worked on Jaws. I'm like, no, I'm like uh, Jaws: The Revenge, <laughs> 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 the one where the sharks and Michael King can fight a shark in the ocean and his shirt doesn't get wet. <laughs> <laughs> my, my son really deeply appreciates this. Do you guys ever see the movie The Swarm?
1: I I know the name. Probably. I, you know. We watch most things, but
0: first of all I can't resist calling it a B movie. (laughs) It's bad, I know. (laughs) Also (laughs) I do I do a paraphrased impersonation of Michael Caine. I'm gonna do it before I change my mind. My kid loves it. Do it right now. (laughs) These buddy bees are gonna kill us all. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen the swarm too many times.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. I, I, can't say, I can't say anything about that. That's just fantastic.
0: Well. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. I just made my day. Somebody likes my Michael Caine impersonation. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, also uh, he's like, Dad, did you get a blurb from Alien? I'm like, no, the, the Alien Factor, the one where the aliens land in Baltimore. <laughs> the one that really broke his heart was this one, though. <clears throat> he's like, wow. He's like, you know the screenwriter of Rogue One? Star Wars? He loves Star Wars. I'm like, no, I'm like, not Rogue One. It's like Rogue, the giant killer Australian crocodile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear Sven Gulley's looking to reach out now. He's going to do a <laughs> syndicate it five days a week or something, something going on, I hear. So he's looking for characters. Maybe you should jump into that.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know he's a horror host.
1: Yeah, well, apparently he's doing well enough that they're going to do five days a week or something now.
0: Wow. You carry.
1: Uh, yeah, so do he Mike, he needs, he needs, Michael Kane. <laughs> yeah, he needs he, Michael K. Well, that that would fit He needs those extra co-hosts To go on there And throw chickens at him And whatever else Michael Caine's <laughs> <King> zombie Yeah <laughs> you, know, you know
0: Hopefully Sven Gulli listens Or I can write him an email Who knows
1: Yeah, I'll send him a message I'll tell him this show's for him Just no yeah. personal checks Yeah, no personal checks <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so I have poor. to stay in character As Michael Kane.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be Michael Caine for that.
0: A, I'll tell him that there was a kid who put all the movies together. I can't find the video anymore, but it was movies like Jaws of Revenge and the Swarm and all that other stuff. And the kid called it Michael Caine versus the Animal Kingdom.
1: I just saw I just saw an old Michael Caine movie, the uh, Ectress Files or Ecpress.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: oh, Files or Ectress Files. It's uh, from '65. He was oh, uh, I
0: didn't see that one.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite good. They've got a new series, uh, made on that movie now. I haven't seen it, but I thought, well, maybe I should watch the original and before I get into it, you know, then I can complain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, did you ever see Jaws Revenge, you guys? Yeah, I started in the
1: theater. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you can't admit that. Oh That's yeah. Cool. No, just say yeah, I saw it on on cable. cable.
0: Once. <laughs> I saw it back in the day.
1: Oh my
0: god. Well, I was all excited. Like I saw the I saw the poster when I was a kid and it was just uh I like hey, Lorraine Gary's in it, you know. Brody's wife's in it. I guess Roy Scheider's not in it. I'm like yeah. oh, I was like Michael Caine's in it. How bad could it be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's in everything. I was 16 when I, I knew anything. <laughs> no, that's right.
0: I was <laughs> like well, uh, and he just gets, you know. He was only in that movie for like, I mean, filming for like five days, and he did it, you know, just to get a house. He never even saw the movie.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, well, it's a job. It's a job, you know. You got to do some
0: things. Then he him. just gets and on just, the plane yeah. at the end. Uh, all right, I'll just do one more. Michael Caine. This is all different. This is what I think of when he gets on the plane. <laughs> Goodbye, <Joel>. George. <laughs>
1: Well, there we go. Now, yeah. now, there's no place else you get entertainment like this.
0: No. <laughs> so,
1: we've got, we've got, you know, you, you know, one day you've got, you have Dean Coates one day, and then you have this, this, and <laughs> then you have Michael K. You have Michael K.
0: in
1: the next week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is fantastic, you know. <laughs> I, um, you know, I haven't had so much entertainment in one day in in a long time.
0: Okay.
1: Well, let's give out how do how do people get a hold of you, Michael? Um, is there a, do you have like a website? Website, <laughs> phone number?
0: I'm gonna have to switch, switch over to my, I'll just pretend to be Michael's agent now because I think that's about it for me and Michael King.
1: <laughs> oh, gotta work on that.
0: You're <laughs> You're not going to hear Master Bruce or anything, you know. Actually, you know, that's so funny because Christopher Nolan, one of the reasons he put him, I think, in the Batman movies was because he said people need to remember that you are a good actor. <laughs> I mean, The Man Who Would Be King is one of the greatest movies ever made.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. No, He he knows how to act. He's, he's good. I don't see anything wrong with doing bad movies to make money. I mean, you have to... Um, no, I,
0: I, I think it's admirable and incredibly entertaining in some ways
1: yeah in a a way it kind of helps the movie sell and and not only that you're also um god you know you're 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 making money and you're you're using your career your profession i don't think it makes it worse for anything i think uh, take advantage of it because you're only hot for so long and then you know which you you realize that now, you know, that you're really hot Michael Caine. so I would
0: <laughs> well, I well, he's held on pretty long though. I mean, my goodness, longer yeah. than most people have.
1: Yeah. No? And he's I mean, pushing
0: ninety and he's still in movies.
1: Yeah, still making it and you can still think and know who you are, go for it. So so where do people find you? Let's give out your information. Well one eight hundred I think
0: I, I left a I left a a link to Grayland Press, which is my cousin Heather's uh, publishing company. She makes book covers, and I, I think if you guys, I assume you've seen the cover. That's a pretty amazing, intriguing cover. I think she's made.
1: And do you have a phone number you want people to call you on? Or <laughs> nine seven six evil.
0: <laughs> nine seven. Man. man, we're really three old guys here, are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah nine, really. Seven, evil. Well, that's that's the right. uh, way a young lady friend asked me, uh, she's like, what was it like, you know, like, it, it, was it exciting to be there at the beginning of TV? Oh. <laughs> I was you like, the beginning of Atari, not TV. <laughs> we didn't like sit around the radio.
1: Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still there. I can't get away. Uh, You're ahead. still there? <laughs> well, Mr. David Kemp, this has been an interesting time. Uh, so uh, your new book, of course, we're all going to look for. Uh, it's out now, right?
0: It is, The Wager of Sin. It's available on Amazon with my other books. I, I think it's a, a very enjoyable, thought-provoking book. I got a blurb from our mutual friend, Jeffrey Oliver. He's, he wrote me a nice little write-up there.
1: Oh, is that the Jeff Oliver that was? Uh, no, just kidding. Look <laughs> at it.
0: You might well, know me. He's really good friends with Michael Caine.
1: Yeah, uh, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on <laughs> the, he the ends side. End up of
0: watching Jaws: The Revenge because you guys today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, we really appreciate you being here, David. So thank you, and uh, we'll have the book and everything posted, of course, on our website. So
0: uh, good luck. It was wonderful to be there and here. Thanks a lot. have a good
1: day you've been listening to the House of mystery radio show
0: to find out more about our guests hosts or shows go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show show's over for now was it as good for you as it was for me yeah. good night. this is been a production of
1: something weird media I'll be back.